Hey, this is Nathan. And this is Thomas. Today on Not the Pastor, we are actually going to continue our conversation from last week with Austin Pollard. It was such a good conversation. We just couldn't cut it off. We had to continue the talk. So just a quick recap. Last week, we started talking with Austin about a philosophy of children's ministry. And we we talked about several things uh, within that. We talked about how basically this idea, kids are people too. They're just shorter and they have problems. They have issues to work through. And so just, we want to think about our children as people and, and be a help to them in that way. And then also we talked about just the foundation of character and just how, how, really foundational that is when it comes to later in life and building on that with spiritual principles and just how important character is and how important it is to, to give children when you're training them week in and week out actionable items to, to take home and live out throughout the week and, and to help build that character. So as we continue this conversation with Austin, we're going to get into some super practical stuff. I know it'll be a help to you. Listen in. And I'm excited about what we're going to discuss when it comes to a philosophy of children's ministry today with Austin Pollard. Brother Austin, what are some very just tangible, practical ways that you all ensure excellence in your children's ministry? We just have a high level of expectation. Scripture talks about doing whatever you do with all your might. We want people to be convinced that God is here. God is present in our, in our services. And he, this is something he wants to be a part of. And if we're going to serve God, we ought to do it to the very best of our ability and the very best way we know how. So we, we keep, we try to keep the expectations high as far as be on time, you know, and be in your place, visit your, your kids and your class. And we try to make that, we try to make our, our teachers and folks very accountable about that. Can I ask how you make them accountable that way? Well, one thing that we do and kind of getting into some uh, specifics is we have a, a weekly workers meeting or pre-COVID, we had a weekly workers meeting. You know, that was, that's one of those, the greatest ways to, I feel like to build camaraderie and build a, a spirit in your, your children's program is to have a, a, a regular time where you meet with your teachers and you talk with them and you visit with them and you, and you challenge them. And that weekly workers meeting is just so invaluable to that because we, we go over, you know, I say, who, you know, who came, I asked him a lot of questions. Who, who came today? You weren't expecting to come today. Who, who did you visit this week that came, that came, who did you go out and talk to? And they actually decided to come. Some of that is just challenging them in kind of front of their peers that, Hey, you, you need to be doing something. All, the other part of that is just having a structured program of one thing that we do is we provide a, every week we provide a list of the children that were absent through our church management software, produce an absentee report. So they know, who, who wasn't at class. I challenge them, you need to know who was there, who wasn't there, and who needs to be there. And so we provide the absentee report. We provide a weekly, like a roster of all the kids in their class, including kids that may have been their first time was that morning. So in the afternoon, we have a diligent couple that manages our information. Wow. And they, and so on Sunday night, before our teachers leave the church, they have their a list of their most, most up-to-date kids in their class. And so they can have a way to know who wasn't there, 
who is who needs to be there and who and who who is under their care you're saying that that sunday morning teachers take attendance there in their class you have somebody input that into your system that afternoon and create those run those reports and make sure their physical piece of paper or whatever is in their hand before they leave church sunday night to show them where they who was there who wasn't there wow it's a dedicated dedicated group there. That's efficient. Do you do your teachers' meetings on Sunday then as well? Yes, they're they're Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. Um, our Sunday evening service is at five thirty. Okay. And so our our workers' meeting is at five oh five. Okay. Uh, we do that because we have some of our members here in in our choir, which meets from four to five, so that gives them a break a little bit to come. But <laughs> else, it's it's a kind of a, a unique time that kind of sticks in your head that you don't forget to come at five oh five. Right. Sure. Um, and so we we have that on That's Sunday crazy. afternoons, and it's been beneficial um, to have because it kind of harnesses the energy of the day. We kind of get to reflect on what happened the morning before, and then we can kind of take some things to package it. And as far as be challenged, especially in our teachers meeting, we talk about those outreach opportunities. Uh, we provide and I said, we have tracks and postcards and things for them to, you know, and the, our church uh, pays for the postage. If they'll bring those postcards back to the church on Wednesday night, uh, we'll mail those cards out. That's an expense that we, we take on. I'm trying to give them every opportunity that, you know, to, to do something. And then we also have, just have a, a challenge as far as encouraging them to be a better teacher, just some practical tips and things that we talk about, uh, some reminders, and just a good time for us to get all together and get some things straight in our heads. Is that about 20 minutes then would be my guess, something like that? For I try to keep it about 10 to okay. 13 and a half minutes. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we try to, so many people have a break, they can get kind of get uh, refocused to go back into the service for Sunday night. Coming from a situation where maybe there isn't a lot of expectation on teachers, how do you then go about inputting that? So it sounds like from, from where, where you are at this point, that that's all been built in. A new teacher coming on board is going to know, hey, this is, this is where it's going to be. This is how it is. Right. It's expected. It's already there. But maybe... How do you create that? Yes. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it's yes. not already yeah. there. No, I yes. understand. No, absolutely. And, and we're, you know, we're blessed. We, I think the average tenure of a teacher at our church is, I'd say 15 years. I mean, we, we have a lot of veteran teachers and we, but thankfully we have a lot of new teachers that we're kind of plugging in, which is great. So it, 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 we are blessed to have that kind of level of expectation. One thing I would say is, is you just, it's important to create a, a spirit of collaboration, of synergy, of realizing that we all work together. We're all trying to accomplish the same yeah. thing here. I try to always emphasize the importance of what they're doing, that they really are planting the seeds of the word of God in the lives of young people. Some of them may never ever get more than what they hear in this, in this class that they teach to some that this may be, you may be speaking to a missionary who's going to go to some country that's never heard the gospel and, and, and light it on fire, you know, for the Lord. Um, so try to just challenge them with, you know, first of all, have a collaboration and synergy. work together, work with everybody, remind them of what they're doing. And I think part of the collaboration is just having them get together as a group. For a lot of years, we did a yearly training. We brought in a speaker or a few, sometimes I would just do it. Having a, some times where you, you know, you just teach them about teaching. Because unfortunately, sometimes we, what we do, we don't think we can do any better than that until we're challenged by someone or something else to be more than what we are. And that's one thing I just really try to challenge them with is that you, you can't be the same. 
You can't just do it like you've always done it. And so I, I would say that part of that is part of that collaboration, that synergy, really just getting them excited about it. And part of the expectation is you, you have to be the one to lead by that example. Um, you know, if it's, if it's um, showing up more than five minutes before church, you know, you need to start being there 30 minutes before. And sometimes by osmosis, people can pick up on that. And they can realize by your example that, hey, I need to be, I need to do this or need to do that, or I shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing that. Maybe it's a dress situation. It's just, just making sure that you're presentable and that you're, you're leading that example. I mean, I mean, very few times have I had to be direct. I try to generally be vague and say something to the whole group first, but then if you have to be direct, you have to be direct. I, I think it's just, it's making small deposits and making small improvements, just not trying to change the whole thing at once. It's definitely a, a marathon, not a sprint um, in, in kind of raising that level. And really, I guess I've just found that it, it really does start with helping them understand what, what they're doing. And then not just fill in time. It's not just childcare. This is instruction, very similar to what their pastor would be doing or your pastor doing. It's just as important. You can change the life, the eternity, the direction. It's building that that expectation that this is really a big deal to God and, and to and to the parents of these kids that, that are going to be benefiting from what they're doing. I think sometimes that my mindset is I need to get people to do better. But your answer to my question is, first of all, be better, but then help people work right. together anyway. Like yeah. help, like I need to do a better job being the leader, being a, the kind of person that I need to be. And that will help other people step up. But then also if I can show the need, if I can get people on the same team, if I can communicate clearly my ideas or my um, the vision that God's given, pe- people will tend to want to live up to those expectations and without having to always be, come on, you're not doing good enough. One example I'll throw out that, I, that just it just kind of happened really during this worker meeting. One thing we did it, in, the, I think, the last year or so, I had the teachers teach each other and then we had a little bit, I, I let them literally draw from a bag of Bible stories and they had to, they had five minutes to teach it. And for, for some of them, they saw five minutes and thought, I can't do anything in five minutes. I need 45. Right. Uh, we have some, <laughs> we have some, what I call professional teachers that we do have a few of our teachers who actually are certified public school teachers. And so they're used to having a long time or they're, or they're just very good teachers. Then I have some teachers that I gave them five minutes and they think, what am I going to do for four and a half minutes? Yes. (laughs) So that was something that was, it was good. It was a lot of good feedback from that. Also, I had them give it, give um, their testimony about how they became a teacher, especially and and how they, you know, came to our church or got saved or, you know, various things. That's one of those things that leads to that camaraderie. Right. That, I mean, people, yes. we, we learned about each other and we kind of brought us closer together. We've made some, some people made some connections with each other that they didn't realize that they had, um, whether it was being reached through the bus ministry or it was divorced parents or whatever. They're very different things. That, that, those are just good things. I mean, certainly I have not solved any or all of the problems and thought of everything, but those are some things that have kind of come up in the last couple of years that have been really, that have really kind of bonded us together and have created that kind of energy and expectation that, that I'm really, it's awesome to see. I think that's so important. We're on the same team. Yeah. We're not in competition uh, with each other. Teachers are, it's not the, they're the best teacher. They're the worst teacher. That's not what it's all about anyway. Right. And especially we, we really work that with moving them from one grade to the next uh, when they do a promotion 
especially if you have a, a group that's heavy with kids who come on the bus that need a lot of a lot more outreach than maybe another group that doesn't. I really try to stoke the fire of those teachers have to collaborate. Hey, you need to share your notes with the families that you visited so they know what they're what the next teacher's walking into. Or as you know, family situations and things like that. Those are important. It's not all. It hasn't always worked the way I wanted it to, but it is. It has helped in many a situation. So. Well, closely related, Austin, to once you have workers on board and, and training them and making sure there's excellence there and that they're feeling part of the team, backing up just a little bit from that, how do you go about getting those people on the team in the first place? I mean, how do you go about recruiting um, adults who are passionate and have potential to to be good helpers and and teachers for your children's ministry. We were very selective in that who is who participates in children's ministries. We have qualifications in our policies and procedures as far as that be a member at least six months. They do have to go through a background check uh, to serve in any of our children's ministries from nursery through you know, elementary age. They do have to have that. So that be approved by our pastor, of course. Uh, one thing that's very important, uh, just because that that's important because our pastor sees things and knows things that I wouldn't, in that if I'm gung-ho about uh, Miss So-and-so being a, a teacher or a helper, our pastor may know that she's not quite ready for that, and so that's why it's a good, a good filter, a good buffer for me, but we don't make a big blanket plea for, hey, if you want to help with the kids, go see Brother Austin. Because that can be that can lead to issues down the road. In that, if if everybody just comes to me and wants to help, they may not be that may not be the right ministry for them. It may be uh, they may they may think they want to work with kids and like kids, but they may not be the very best person to be the, to do that. So we're very selective in that. Most often, I will go to people uh, that we watch throughout our uh, you know our congregation and recommendations from our our, t- our current workers. You know, I'll go and talk to them privately and just say, hey, what do you think about this? Would you be willing to be involved? Or are you interested at all? And then get feedback that way from them. And then if they do want to be involved, we go through our process of getting to fill out that background check and making sure that they, you know, that that's satisfactory. And then our pastor approves them being involved in that. We're, and we, we're careful about how much they serve as far as we try to make sure if they can be in a, an adult Sunday school class and then they help during the worship hour. They, we want them to still be plugged in that way. Qualities of a worker that are important. I mean, those are kind of the technicals of, of that. I mean, qualities though, I mean, you just look for faithfulness in people. They have to have an attitude and a spirit of joy that exudes the joy of the Lord. They have to be able to, to be teachable. They have to be able to show a willingness to, to really work. One thing about a teacher that we try to, that are, comes from our pastor, but also just something I'm very adamant about is the word teacher and the word builder are synonymous. When someone becomes a teacher of a class, they're really to build that class. Just like almost the idea they're, they're pastoring that small little group of people. They need to be able to make that group of girls or group of boys, they need to be invested in them and know about them. There's a depth and there's a, a level of commitment there that we look at. And it is a commitment. People serve and people, they have to be faithful to the ministry. We do have some positions that are rotational, maybe once a month like that, or on a fifth Sunday, that's maybe a different day. But by and large, everybody serves regularly. I mean, weekly, it's a weekly commitment. And folks that aren't willing to commit to weekly, 
you know, maybe it's not for them. You know, it's, it's definitely not for the, the weak at art, I guess. You could yeah. Say. It's, yeah. It's not, I mean, and, and, and so there's lots of other characteristics that we look at, but I mean, that's, the, it, it's not for everybody. We try to make sure that the folks are on onboarded, if you will, to use a business term. Once they come on and we decide, Hey, they, they can come on. We do have a, a, a manual, a ministry manual for our church that they have to go through and read. We have a yearly training that we do uh, at the beginning of every year. We call it Safety Saturday for all of our ministries, but it basically allows us for our insurance purposes to say we do train our workers yearly on our policies and procedures. Um, and I, I oversee that piece of it as far as the whole, but also specifically for our, our children's program. So they go through that yearly training or they, if they come in mid-year, they read through that manual and they have to sign off saying that they read it and are in agreement, and we'll follow it. And then we, we kind of, I let them kind of ease into it and, and be involved. And then we kind of place them where they feel like a good fit is, as that's really important, whether it's being a helper in a class or just being a, a crowd control kind of head bopper, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bouncer, a bopper. That's right. A bopper. Or, you know, we, you know, we have a, a hall monitor who's, they kind of make sure things flow and make sure there's any disturbances or disruptions in the force that is Sunday morning, yes. they can, uh, they, those can be dealt with. And so it, it is, it's important to make sure that they're, they're on board and, and that there's a track record of faithfulness with them and to make sure that they're, they're bought into what's going on with our church as a whole. And to recognize that our children's ministry is not a subculture. It's not a, it's own little group click of people that we're, we're a part, we are contributing by serving to the greater whole of our, the church as a whole. Children's ministry isn't an extra. It is part of the church. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned training your people, training your workers. You have a manual forum. That's one thing. You have that yearly safety Saturday that you mentioned that you train people and it's just sort of a mandatory thing. But could you give us a little bit more of an explanation, maybe some more detail about maybe some tools or some resources that that you give your people or, or train your people on to help them to constantly be improving as teachers, as assistants, as as head boppers, whatever whatever their position may be. What how, how are you helping your people to improve? Well, I mean that, that I mentioned that workers meeting earlier, and that's one thing we we that's been a, a huge help for that is even in just that ten to fifteen minute time frame, challenging them with whether it's um, you know we've we've read a book together. What, what, what are some, maybe some specific books that you've had your people, your workers read? It may, may seem dated now, but some things by Ed Dunlop are always good. There's a lot of good things. I mean, honestly, online, we don't have very many paper books anymore as far as what we give out because there's so many good articles and things that come out. Believe it or not, a lot of things that Lifeway comes out with are pretty good. Regular Baptist Press has some good books. Kind of rereading it at the moment. It's Shepherding a Child's Heart. That just gives you some good just good background, even though you're not a parent uh, as a teacher, it just gives you some good things and some reminders. I have honestly have a lot of old books that have just kind of come through the pipe that are anytime you can find an old book on Sunday school. I mean, you'll know it because it looks like it was printed in 1950. I say, yeah, I say pick it up because there's lots of just simple things that were written in those times that were just some pretty amazing, pretty amazing things. Some resources as far as other other things that we have. This is one thing I started using for our kids. It's uh, Now You Are Somebody New by Hugh Pyle. It's put out by Sword of the Lord. And it's just a little discipleship booklet. After a child gets saved, we give them one of these and it kind of just walks through them. 
what happened after what happens after you get saved and just little things like that the teachers i, I give that i kind of always kind of promote these things to them so they're always out giving it to the kids good yeah that's helpful good tools yeah it, it, and it's just honestly some of it's just kind of coming up with creative ways to to teach old things you know i'm always on them about using illustrations and visuals i mean i i just tell them i tell them you have to you have to that they're not going to listen to you talk for 45 minutes that that can't be done anymore i mean again 60 years ago maybe uh but now you, you i mean you can't talk for five minutes without you know, losing their 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 attention so they well, what what I, one thing i'm hearing from you brother austin is just it it's high touch with your people with your workers i mean you're constantly communicating with them you're constantly meeting you're constantly talking week in week out it's not something where you say hey go do this and then let's catch up and next quarter and see how it went. I mean, you're, you're constantly interacting with, with those teachers and those helpers. And I, I think that's a key that I'm, that I'm picking up. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to do it. You have to be, you have to have your pulse on it because the, the way our, our society changes, I mean, we, we, we have to, we have to be always, and I say always changing it. That sounds you know, to, to our ears, that sounds wrong. It's still the timeless truth. It's the same thing that we've always taught, but the, the medium has to be, um, and the methods have to be flexible and willing to kind of meet the, the interest and the need of the student. If you're not excited about it, they're not going to be excited about it. If you're not interested, they're not interested. And it's your job to make them interested and to make them, make them want to hear. You should have them in the palm of your hand. Being flexible doesn't always mean newest or greatest or flashiest. I've seen good teachers use flannel graphs and creative yes. and good ways. And I know that's like, I mean, that's old school stuff, but I've seen them do it well in a way that yes. brings a story to life. And you maybe wouldn't do that every week or something, but I've seen kids love that, you know, peeking in a window mm -hmm. as a teacher's just excited like not boring right they're like ah, i have to do this stupid flannel graph but like they love it and they're using some of the things that they've that they've fallen in love with to communicate the gospel story and that's maybe more effective than a teacher that's like got slideshows and flashing lights and a tv in their you know classroom with a cool <laughs> soundtrack it doesn't have to be new it just needs to be it needs to be fresh though you're right yeah. I mean, honestly, we, we just ordered a brand new flannel graph set for our, for our ministry. So it gets loved. I would probably say, I don't know, maybe saying half is maybe too much, but I'd say at least a third of our teachers still use it uh, regularly. Um, and, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's a medium that hasn't, hasn't really changed in, over all the years. And, you know, we have, we have a couple that do more, um, more media, you know, PowerPoint or things like that. But it, but I've cautioned them that it should be the, the exception rather than the rule, just because we there there is such a fine balance to have on it, and just to, to be to be careful of falling as our pastor says on a ditch on either side of the road. You can't be in the ditch of I'm I'm never going to use technology. I'm only going to stand up and talk. Versus I'm going to have them watch the Veggie Tales version of Noah. And that's going to be much better than what I'm going to do. So you have to find a good balance in that. And that's, oh, there's so many, so many options and resources out there for the people to use. And, and even just creativity, I constantly challenge creativity. I mean, it's, it's the freest resource you have, you know, it, it, it's taxing, but to give them the, to get people to think and put themselves in the minds of 
that first grader and what is going to be interesting to them. Not what you think is interesting, not what you think is going to hold your attention, but what is a first grader think is fun. Like you, you need to be in the know. You can't be, you can't be just stuck in your ways in the, when you were a first grader. Uh, you have to be able to identify with where they're at. I'm not saying that you have to do everything to cater to them and what they like and what they want. But you need to at least have the background of knowing where they're at and where they're coming from. So if I'm thinking right, brother, you are very heavily involved in these young people's lives up till about sixth grade. And then from there, they go into your junior high and your high school. And it, it's at least worth talking about that there there seems like in a a lot of churches, there can be kind of a fall off at sixth grade whenever students go into the junior high and up into the high school. And then also, again, whenever they hit 18 and they leave the high school, there's even probably a more dramatic fall off then. But what have you all done to cultivate an environment that keeps those those young people connected to where they're less likely to do that. And even uh, not just that we're wanting to keep them from falling away, but that we're even uh, getting them to a point where they, they want to serve the Lord and, and do more for the Lord rather than less for the Lord. I was just going to, I wrote on my paper pass that I wasn't going to answer this question because I don't have a good answer for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it's, it's uh that is the age old question. And yeah, I, yeah, I you know, at least in, in our experience here, I would contend that the falling away that you, that we're, we're talking about doesn't even, it really starts about third grade. Really? Okay. And that, that's just, I've seen that over the, the last, especially I'd say for sure the last five years that you can tell, you know, so they're about eight, nine years old in that bracket. You can see the beginnings of, of it. You can see things starting to happen because Really, the eight, nine-year-old has really become, you know, our age group, you know, even the, the early millennials, maybe some basically became where now eight, nine is more like 12 to 13 were then. Kids are growing up so much faster because they're exposed to so much more through media and, and through um, the culture that is catering to them. I think the slide starts even earlier than sixth grade. I think it starts, it starts much younger. And, you know, what we... What can we do about that? I mean, it's especially churches of our stripe and churches of our doctrine and methodology. We will always be second to the church that is flashy and that that has Xbox and we in their their children's ministry area and that basically has a concert on Sunday morning for their kids with the smoke and the, the lights and everything like that. We're, we're always going to be second to that as far as the world is concerned. What we've tried to do is really, I, I've challenged the teachers in those age groups. I've made them aware of that. You've got to realize that they're making decisions. They're making choices right now, where they're going to go, where they're go what they're going to do. You have to, to keep in mind that. And so those teachers are, that they, they have, they, they constantly have activities and like kind of social groups I've kind of taken that group, how we at least we divide our Sunday school is we keep pre-K and kindergarten as an assembly as far as that they are in, a, as you could say, section together. We keep first through third grade in a group, and then we have fourth through sixth grade in another section. You know, at fourth through sixth group, I kind of, we have a lot more activities. We have a lot more social things. It's been a few years, but we tried kind of a, almost like a fifth quarter kind of activity to where it's on a, a Thursday night. And we bring them in and we 
we do some fun stuff. We play some games, almost like a, a youth rally. Yeah. Feed them pizza and, and we give them the gospel. That was good. It's building relationships. That is the biggest key to making that work. A child has to have relationships because that's really when they transition to that thinking is that, hey, my friend, I need my friends and I need, I need and I'm going to go to church where my friends go to church. My own personal testimony is that being saved later in elementary life, when I went into the youth department, I was saved in March and I promoted to the youth department in June. I was one of those people. I didn't have any deep roots at our church. I didn't really have any, I didn't have any connection, but our bus captain's son uh, was forced to be my friend. <laughs> was forced to be my friend. And we, we've been friends now ever since then, you know, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago. That's one of the reasons that I stayed. And that's one of the reasons that I kept coming. I came on Sunday mornings. And then whenever my friend was old enough, he came and got me and picked me up. And then when I started, I could drive. I dr- drove myself because I had that, that relationships that were important to me and helped me come. If I could say a way to kind of, to really circumvent that is, is, is relationships is finding a way to mentor and finding a way to have those sixth graders really reach out to those fourth graders. Or I know that Brother Daniel Hardy and our, as our youth director has really instituted a system for their teenagers where this, the teen, the seniors really reach out to the seventh graders and like they're, they're, they are paired up. It is a forced relationship. That sounds really bad, but it's a way that they can, that, that, that they're going to have somebody who's going to hold their feet to the fire about whether they come or not and that, and, or and, and where they're at and what their attitude is. I think one thing that we've got to do and can do better at is we've got to get relationships built. That's how we can stem the tide. We haven't figured it out completely here. I wish I had a better success rate. Well, no, I, I think that's a great answer. I'm hearing too, it's not just the relationships between the workers and the teachers and the students, but you're even trying to foster healthy relationships among the students themselves. And and you just reminded me, honestly, of my own personal testimony growing up. I I was similar in that I didn't come to a youth and to church until I was well into, into high school, but it was those relationships that got me and kept me passionate about school about church in those early years, even so much to the point where when I was in like 10th grade, I actually asked my parents, Hey, can, can you just homeschool me? And they're like, well, what about all your friends at, at school and stuff? And I just confidently said, you know what? I, all my friends are at church now. I don't have any friends that I hang out with at school anymore. There wasn't anything that I was sacrificing there. And it was sort of, it worked reverse of the way that it usually does but it was all because of those connections with my high school youth department that probably a lot of the reason that I am where I am today in those early years, that, that those connections. And so I, I think you nailed it. You said you didn't really have a good answer and you wanted to pass, but I, I think, I think that's a key. If some people could really foster that, that would be great. That's probably the same thing that holds most adults to a church family is that the, the relationships that they build and those people that are on the fringe most often don't have good, solid relationships in the church family. Yeah. So that's probably not unique to third, fourth, fifth graders. Yeah, you nailed it. Probably right. true right yeah. up until senior citizens. Right. No, that's, that's true. I, I even have tried to help our kids that maybe are more inward in that they may be homeschoolers or kids that aren't as outgoing. I make sure 
to point out to them, even as young as first grade, hey, there is a first time person here. You need to know their name and you need to figure out who they are and you, you need to be their friend. That sounds odd, but at the same time, we're so used to turning inward and we're so used to worrying about us and our own friends circle, uh, our circle of friends that we need to, we have to break that. Austin, I had to teach the same thing to high schoolers. It's not just high schoolers. Right. It's adults too. <laughs> Get out of your clique. Go, go talk to the guests. Yeah, go talk to the guests. Don't run from the guests. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but but it, it goes back to if we can teach them that at eight, then when they're 18, 28, or 58, then they, they have a better opportunity to – it's already built in there. Well, Brother Austin, what's one last piece of advice as we're wrapping things up here that you would like to share with listeners when it comes to having a, a healthy, thriving – effective children's ministry? I would just say to make sure whether it's, you know, it's a pastor or it's a staff person, just a faithful member, don't forget about the children of your church. Because if you want a healthy church in the next 10 to 20 years, you need to make the investment now. Because these children are going to be the future of your church. And if you want to keep the kind of church that you have, or you want your church to get better, you have to make that investment in their life now. Because if you don't, if you don't make the personal effort, then you don't have anything, then it's on you. It's on them. And I mean, I, I say that to myself, I say that to, to anyone else. It, we, we can't forget about the kids of our church. We cannot, if we want a healthy church, we have to have an investment made in them. Yeah. They're not just a nuisance. Right. They're, they're not, and they're not just, coming because they have to there's they, they have the potential to change the world there they are people too yeah. they're just small I, I think we think we started this conversation with that kids are people too yep that's great well thank you so much brother austin for so much valuable input i think this episode is going to be a, a great help to some listeners with their ministries yep i appreciate you taking the time today austin thank you glad to yeah appreciate it very much Thank you so much for joining us today on Not the Pastor. If you have follow-up questions for Austin, you can contact him using the email address in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page, where we talk about this podcast and our lives. You can find us at facebook.com backslash not the pastor. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd ask that you would rate and review us on iTunes. Your rating helps get this podcast in front of more people so that others can enjoy the content that you enjoy every week. Thanks for joining us today. Until next week, we are not the pastor.